Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Your co-hosts, Jamie Albright and Sarah Rosette, couldn't be more different. In fact, they're a study in contrasts. However, despite all of their differences, they agree that sharing what they wish they'd known, both the good and the bad, is the key to moving forward. Let's get to the show. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And today on the podcast, we have Damon Courtney from Book Funnel. And Book Funnel. uh, One of our favorite products. Yes, one of our favorite products, one of our favorite people. We yes. just love Damon. Um, I've known him since before I actually put a book out. I, yeah. I talk about it in the podcast, but I first met him at the Smarter Artist Summit in 2016. Yeah, me too. Uh, the year before I put it out, uh, put out my first book, and he's just a great member of the indie community and so smart and hilarious and he does great impressions. I was going to say, you want to go to karaoke with him uh, for sure. He's just super fun. And it was a great interview. Yeah. We talk about book funnel and all their new, um, some of their new features, but just their basic features as well. Cause I think a lot of people don't, really know about Mm -hmm. everything BookFunnel does. Yeah. Yeah. And it solves a huge problem. The problem Mm -hmm. of how to give a reader an ebook, Mm -hmm. you know, like if they buy it from a vendor, then Mm -hmm. that's one thing. But if you Mm -hmm. want to give somebody some free content, Mm -hmm. it's a pain to try and get it on your your reading device. Yeah. To sideload it. Yeah. And they take care of all that. They take care of support. And they have excellent customer service. Yeah. So, so we obviously are big fans. This is not an affiliate show or anything, but but, uh, we both use BookFunnel and we both really Mm -hmm. like it and they have some great features and he talks. Yeah. I use it for Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I use multiple features on there. Oh, yeah, me just, too. Yeah. 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 So and great. people are doing some innovative things with books yes, too. They, they are. Um, they're innovating for audiobooks, and he talks about that. And I'm really excited about that. But mm-hmm. then also, I've noticed lately that I've gotten a couple of you can participate in the promos. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten a couple for print, which I thought was really interesting to mm-hmm. do a book funnel promo for print, mm-hmm. uh, like aimed at the holidays, you know, they're yep. coming up. And I was like, that's pretty cool. So, mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, Lots covered in this. And then we also talk about mindset issues. Yes. Lots of good stuff. Yep, we do. We do. So what's been going on with you? Well, I'm still doing admin stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Not, I feel like, you know, it's like bookkeeping, you know, Mm -hmm. nothing super exciting. Mm -hmm. But I am working on a project where I'm going to do a, a podcast. It's going to be a seasonal podcast. And it just, you know, 10 episodes in the fall and then probably 10 in the spring because I mm-hmm. figure I can handle that. Mm-hmm. So I'm using this uh, software called Hindenburg. Mm-hmm. Not sure why they named it after a disaster, which is mm-hmm. what comes to mind when I think. Maybe of- it's to help you prevent one. <laughs> it yes. is because it's excellent. It works really well. It's for so, editing, right? Yeah, it's for yeah. editing this, the 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 audio, mm-hmm. but shout out to Thomas Umstadt Jr. He mentioned mm-hmm. it on his podcast, the Novel Marketing Podcast, mm-hmm. and he said, it's so easy, you'll love it. So you can download a free trial, and I did that, and I love it. And so if you're yeah. doing a podcast, we have uh, the wonderful Alexa added, mm-hmm. edit this one for us. Yes. But if Not you Amazon's that, Alexa, but my right. Alexa. The real person. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she's our, my daughter. I was going to say she's our daughter. She's my daughter. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, but if you're doing something on your own and it, you want to get it done and just yes. do it quickly, it's wonderful. So I've been yeah. working on that and doing, you know, boring stuff like bookkeeping mm-hmm. and I bought a new chair. Yeah, wibbling yeah. back and forth. Yeah, yeah. good for you. Yeah, good so that's you. super exciting for me. <laughs> right. Well, I'm still at my daughter's house. We still don't have a baby, but um, she every day something else happens. So we're just getting closer and closer. But, you know, I, I'm in the closet uh, because <laughs> there's a lot going on here today, and I just wanted to make sure the sound was as good as I could get it. Um, but, yeah, but I wanted to – just mentioned something. It's kind of sad news for the indie community, but yeah. um, T.S. Paul, uh, he's a famous uh, sci-fi writer and paranormal writer. He um, passed away this past week, and we just want to say how sorry we were and send our condolences yeah. to his wife Heather. And Scott was a great guy. I mean, he mm-hmm. it, he has the best. I mean, it's just the best story. It makes me want to cry because he, you know, he really was at the bottom, I think, close. And and got involved in the indie community, got involved with uh, the 20 Books 50K group, uh, or he was a founding member, I believe, of that. And anyway, indie publishing turned his life around and, and just gave him all these opportunities, and he was very free with his advice. And um, just he and his wife have they're just lovely people, yeah. and and we're just so sorry, and he'll be missed. And so I just wanted to yeah, try to really put that sad. out there. Yeah, sad, sad it thing. Is. It, but is. it was just an example of the amazing difference it can make in your yeah, life. Absolutely, and, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He was just a great success story, and I, mm-hmm. you know, it it just never failed to uh, amaze me. Um, when I would hear it. I mean, I've heard it a couple of times, but it's just amazing. So mm. that happened this week. And my news is just, you know, I'm at that point in my book, about 20,000 words in, where hmm, this might not have been a good idea. I don't know. <laughs> or it's a good idea, but I don't have a story. So I st- had to take a step back. The good news is I'm not freaking out. I know this happens. Right. Um in the past, what I would do is it freaks me out and then I get paralyzed and I can't do anything else. So I've sort of been trying to get a plan, but my plan right now is to write the next scene that I know about. Like, I don't exactly know what happens next, but I know that there's a scene coming Mm -hmm. and I know that scene. So I'm just going to write it and I'll fill in the blanks and I'll fix it. I'm just not, I'm trying not to freak out. So, yeah, um, I think that's and I'm an not. Excellent plan. <laughs> yeah, really and truly, I'm not. Um, I think maybe because we've got so much going on here um, mm-hmm. and everything, but yeah, I, I'm going to this afternoon sit down and um, write that next scene. And mm-hmm. I feel like if I do that enough, mm-hmm. then I'll get. I'll get where I'm going. You keep I, I making just progress. Yeah, yeah, I'll make it's progress, like and quote. I'll probably be able to fill in behind. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, kids, don't try this at home. But uh, this is how I'm doing it. And so but you we'll know see. what? Is you're making progress, and yeah. I was going to say it's like that quote about you can see. Uh, writing a book is like driving at night. You know, you can only see as far as your headlights show, but yeah, you can make yeah. it the whole way. So yeah. sometimes, you know, you just keep going and keep doing. Mm-hmm. And if there's anything that needs to be fixed, you can go back and fix it. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, I mean, I already is, see a few things that I need yeah. to fix. Um, just personality stuff, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to go back and fix it now. I'm only 20,000 yeah. words in. If I do that, I'll not fit. I won't finish it. Mm -hmm. So I'm just going to make a note and keep going. Yeah. That'd forward. be a detour on that drive yes, at night. So you don't want to do that. You should keep don't going. Wanna, yep. Yeah. But we talk about that in this interview with Damon mm -hmm. about, you know, like the focus and how difficult that first draft can be. Mm -hmm. And I totally agree with him. He talks about how that's very difficult. Some people love their first draft. Mm -hmm. We talked to um, CC Hunter. She said she mm -hmm. loves the first draft. And I was mm -hmm. like, oh my goodness, I would, it's mm -hmm. not my favorite thing. Mm -hmm. So it's so good to get it done. But if you can get through that, mm -hmm. then you can go back and fix anything that's wrong. I can, yeah, I've better. proven that I can fix things. So that's, yeah. that I know. So that's good. But yeah. yeah. Another quote. Great books aren't written, they're rewritten. That's exactly right. That's right. This is a quote that episode. Is, that's right. <laughs> exactly. Well, um, let's get on to the show. And Damon, I think people are just going to love this interview. That sounds good. All right. Today we have Damon Courtney with us. Hey, Damon, glad you're here. Hey, great to be here. All right, so let me read a quick bio for you. Uh, Damon Courtney is the creator and CEO of Book Funnel, an ebook delivery service for authors and publishers. Though he would like to be a highly successful indie author, he could only lay claim to publishing a single fantasy trilogy that he does really like, despite its lack of sales. But self-publishing three novels did lead him to the creation of Book Funnel. So he's got that going for him. As a lifelong software engineer, Damon can often be found writing code for BookFunnel, writing code for some other crackpot idea he has, or spending time with his wife and kids. Polishing that super dad trophy takes time. <laughs> I forgot I put that in my bio. <laughs> well, I can tell you he is a super dad. I know that. And a super husband. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, yeah. I love Damon and his wife, Julie, and they're, oh, they're so fun to be around. And this is a perfect example of his writing style, like his emails from Book Funnel. They always have that little touch of humor to them, and I yeah. really like it. Even his uh, stuff about the history of Book Funnel on the website. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's got voice. I like it. It's all about our personality. If you go to our yeah. website, we, we try to make it very personal. You know, and some of it's... Some of it's cheesy, but it's cheesy kind of hokey on purpose because we're just funny. We try to be funny. We try to be fr always try to be friendly, right? So yeah. if you get on our website, we talk about um, when we talk about our support team, we talk about text support because all of our <laughs> all of our support people are in Texas, and we teach, yeah. we tell people like be be Texan, be nice, be howdy. Hey, how are you doing? You know, great. Let me get you. Oh, you know, Edith, we're going to get you that book. Don't you worry, girl. <laughs> like we we're, we tell people like be friendly let make sure that people know they are not talking to a robot and that often impresses people so much uh, not only that they usually get a response within a couple of hours but that they get a response and they're like i, I didn't think a real human a person was going to respond yeah we respond to everything with a real person we don't have robots here set you right. apart yeah that's right well damon tell us um it sort of says it in your bio, but you were writing and publishing before you created Book Funnel. And so tell us about your, your fantasy trilogy. And then how did you get, like, how did you make the transition from that to doing Book Funnel? Uh, it actually, so one of the, the pitfalls of being a programmer, being a, a, a creator of things like that, is that no matter what you see, you, you see software as a solution to everything. So if you have a problem, you're like, oh, I can write code for that. You know, when I got into gardening, I was like, oh, I'm going to write some software to track my seed levels and the sunlight <laughs> in my yard. Like, just 
stupid. I mean, just really just the kind of crazy stuff. But so I got into, um, I had published my, my books and I published the first two books in the, in the trilogy. And I knew I had the third one. I was working on that. <coughs> and I was trying to figure out how to get more readers. I mean, right. Every, every author of the planet, indie trad doesn't matter. How do I get more readers? And uh, the big trend at the time, which is still pretty popular advice was, well, you should start building a newsletter and getting people, you should try to talk to your readers directly. You should try building that relationship with your fans directly. And I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, I can do that. I, I, I like talking to people. I'm pretty good at that. How do I do that? I go, well, you got to start a newsletter and you got to give them, you know, a cookie, you give them a freebie, a short story, or maybe the first book in the series or something like that to get to entice them. I'm like, okay, I can do that too. How do you do that? Well, you just like you attach the EPUB and the Mobi or a zip file to the to the email, and then they just go off and put it on their device. And I said, "Oh, what? Yeah, no, that's not. I mean, like I know how to do that because I I had done I had my Kindle for years and I'd already figured all that out. Who who, the average person is not going to do that? I'm going to have to do a ton of tech support just helping people get a free thing that I wanted to give them. And so I, I looked around and I said, uh, I went to the biggest, biggest indie authors at the time, some of which are still big, many of which are not. Uh, and I signed up for all their newsletters thinking, surely that's not the real answer, right? That's just like there's an industry secret no, secret no one's told me about yet. So let me just go sign up and see. And no, they really did. Everybody just emailed the EPUB and the Moby and said, Moby, if you're Kindle, EPUB, everything else, good luck. Good luck to you, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, it was force be with you. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> and so uh, I just in my head, I was like, no, that can't be right. That that can't be how it's done. It, that's just not easy enough. There's no way that that average people would be able to figure that out. And so uh, I, that that just little nugget was in the back of my head as I was continuing to write the third book, and it kept growing. I started seeing and, and hearing from authors on podcasts who were talking about, oh man, this side loading these books is such pain. It's such pain. Such pain. I was like, yeah, you know, God, I get, I'm pretty sure I could solve that problem. But I knew that if I if I started to solve that problem, that I wouldn't finish my book. So I, I had to force myself to finish the book first and put that idea out of my head. Uh, and then once I finished the third book, I started working on BookFunnel as, as a way that I was going to deliver my books. And at first it was just like, I, I'll just, I'll come up with a really, really solid help document. Right, you know that, that says if you're on an iPad, here's the steps you follow to get it, and if you're on a Kindle Fire, here are the steps you follow to get your book. Right, and it started off as that, but then I quickly realized that that was kind of insufficient. That that people still weren't going to be able to get that. So anyway, that's that's where BookFunnel came from was the uh, the idea that average people needed a, a, an easier way to be able to get books that didn't come from the stores. Obviously, right. Amazon does a great job delivering to Amazon devices, but uh, you're not going to have any luck with Amazon if you're trying to deliver it to any other device. And the same right. for Kobo and Barnes & Noble and everybody else in the market. So. Right. Well, we first met at the Smarter Artist Summit in 2016. So that was yeah. the year before I published. And I didn't know anybody. Well, I knew Danielle because we had sort of met before we went, but that was it. And then um, some people online, you were one of the people online that I had sort of talked to in, in the group and everything. But when we got there, people were saying, that's Damon from Book Funnel. <laughs> and I'm like, what's Book Funnel? Who's Damon? I mean, you know, like, I, it was just so, but people were talking about Book Funnel in these reverent tones because it was so awesome for authors. So because of that, and I know we have listeners that are new, tell us exactly what Book Funnel does, you so, know, in its basic <clears throat> form. Right. So the simple, I used to say that book funnel, or the easiest way I would describe it is book funnel is an ebook 
delivery platform, although now we do audio as well. But we, it, it, essentially, we deliver books everywhere outside of the traditional store systems, right? So again, if you put your book up on, if you're selling your book on Amazon, absolutely, Amazon's going to deliver the book for you. If you put your book on Kobo, if you put it up on Barnes and Noble and Google Play, all of those guys, they're they're going to deliver the book for you. Mm-hmm. But <clears throat> when you have situations where you want to deliver a book outside of anywhere in that system, example, you set up a newsletter and you want to give them this free novella that you've written to specifically that leads into your series, you need to deliver that novella to them in a way that is going to be platform agnostic. No matter If you give them one link, no matter what device they have on the other end, they're going to be able to get it. And that's what BookFunnel does. And so we give instructions, we, we guide them through the process as well as have software that will push the books to the right place when they need right. to get there, depending on what device you're reading on. Mm-hmm. And then we have support people that are trained in every device imaginable so that when someone has trouble, and they often do, uh, particularly older readers in, in genres like romance and mysteries, that we, we tend to get a lot of emails from older readers. But that's what our people are there to do, is to help them get the book and, and get it through to whatever device they're reading on. So, I mean... Authors use us for all kinds of things. Any, any, really, I like to think of it as like all the cool things that you could do as an indie mm-hmm. that trad, you know, traditionally published authors could never do because they don't own their books, right? I own my book. If right. I want to, one of our authors, uh, which I don't, you know, mention anybody, but one of our authors, every time a friend of his on Facebook has a birthday, he sends them a free ebook as a gift. Just say, hey, happy birthday. Here's one of my books I think you'll love. And that's not something you could do unless you were willing to literally go and just buy a copy on one of the stores mm-hmm. and like, oh, I'll buy you one on Amazon. I hope you don't have a Kobo reader because then I just bought you a book you can't read on your device. Mm-hmm. Whereas anything you send from BookFunnel, you can read it anywhere. Yeah. And I've used BookFunnel since I started. And have you better. Never, I have. Because, you know, pretty much. I demand all my close friends have to use it. <laughs> They're required by contract. And it's but, such, a, such a hard sell for us. Right. We're like, yes, please. Right. <laughs> and I have never had a problem. Like, I have never had a reader. Well, I think I may have had one reader that said, I'm not sure how to do this. I said, I sent them the link to your support and I said, contact them. Yep. And they never contacted me back. So I know that they got their book. And uh, yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's just such a great service. And like, in its. To, um, like original form, it was a mm-hmm. great service, but now you've expanded it and it's so wonderful now because there's so much for really every author. Yeah, we've, we've expanded. I mean, we've, so October will be our fifth year in business. So this, so in a month, we really opened in September, the end of September. So we're about a week out from our like original opening date. So we're mm-hmm. here for five years now. And um, everything that we've built since that very first, that, that initial piece was literally just a, a page where you could create a link and you'd send that link to people and then people would, would walk through that. You know, we'd ask them what device they were on and we would help them get their books. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the original. And obviously in five years, we've come a long, long way. And everything that we've built since that, that day, since September five years ago, has all been directed by our authors. We, we right. get emails from our authors all the time saying, hey, it would be great if you could do this. It would be great if you could do that. And everything that we've done has all been about building up all of those features to continue to give indie authors, and we work with publishers too, but by and large, our our target base and our audience has always been indie authors. Mm -hmm. And we're there trying to build the tools that make indie authors authors' lives easier. Like, what can we do that would make it easier for you to do that? Oh, you want to send out 
advanced review copies. Great, we, we built a tool that will let you do that. You can send out your ARCs and we'll handle all of that stuff. Like that's the kind of, it, and that's, that's how I've always been as a software developer. I like to listen to what people want and say, oh, hey, we can build that. We can solve that problem. Awesome. Yeah, I think that's what differentiates you from so many other um, author-related support or businesses because you're very author-centric. And I think probably part of it comes from you being an author yourself. Absolutely. A huge and, part of that. Yeah. And you're very much into, you want to know what people want to do and you want to help them do it, which is wonderful. So coming at it from, you know, you were an author before, so you already know sort of like what our issues and problems were, but is there anything that you wish that you had known about working with authors and publishers like looking back now as you're mm-hmm. on the provider side? Um, from the provider side, uh, I guess I would say as from the author side and then also as more of from the provider side to the indie authors that are just starting out, I wish that I had spent more time writing and less time on the self-publishing, at least initially. And I, and I say that with a caveat it doesn't mean that you shouldn't, you should absolutely treat your writing like a business and you should be aware of trends. You should be aware of what's going on in your market, right? If you're going to be an indie author, you are an entrepreneur. You're starting a brand new business and the product that you're selling is your books and the product you're selling is you. Uh, so, but I, I wish that I, when I first started writing my book, I spent hours and hours and hours on, at the time, keyboards and, and the few places that we did have where indies were sort of huddled together in the shadows, like, I published my book, you know, like I, I spent, but I had spent so many hours there, you know, just learning and learning and learning and learning, which was great knowledge. But then so often I, I didn't apply that knowledge because I didn't have anything to apply it to. I had one book published and when I should have been really just like writing the next book and, and also learning that other stuff. And I'm not saying that you shouldn't spend time learning that other marketing stuff, listening to wonderful podcasts, such as the one you're listening to. Uh, but I, I wish that I had focused a lot more of my time on the writing. And I see, uh, I see authors today that they put out that first book and I get it for some authors, they may have been working on that first book for years, right? It, it just took, was like pulling teeth to finally type the end and get that first book done. And so now there's like, great. Now I'm going to get out and sell it. And I, I don't have the heart to tell them, you're probably not going to sell very much of that first book. Uh, you should absolutely put it out there, but then you should get to the next book. You should start writing the next book and, and work on that first book, but don't start driving a ton of money into ads and don't start spending you know hours and hours trying to learn how to do marketing when really the best marketing is go and finish the next book and start putting that one out there. At, at whatever pace that is for you. Right. It doesn't mean like, oh, you got to write a book every week. If you're going to be successful, you know, you see that message, you got to write a book a week, you're going to be successful in indie publishing. No, no, that's not true at all. But you do have to keep writing books. Yeah. Right. It's the, figuring out the balance in the writing and the publishing. And that's really, really tricky. But a lot of that you can't do, like Jamie's the exception, I think, because she has done really well, like out of the gate with one book. But she spent a lot of time with ads too mm-hmm. and learned how to do ads. So it's like figuring out, how much time can I write and how much time can I market and how can I, how can I sell my books and keep writing at the same time? It's very, it's the conundrum that is unsolvable, I think, for all of us. Well, and you, I, I, the, the thing that I always tell authors when I meet them at conferences is you are an entrepreneur, right? If you were a chef and you made the greatest food in the world, but nobody knew 
what your food tasted like and nobody was buying your food, it wouldn't matter. All the greatest meals in the world don't mean anything if nobody's eating them. So if you're a writer and you write the greatest book ever known, but you can't get it out in front of readers, then you're not going to be very successful. As an entrepreneur, you have to think of all of those angles. And I think, you know, what Jamie did, yeah, I, I, I would say that she is something a little bit of an outlier, but at the same time, if she had written that one book and advertised the heck out of it and got some great sales and never written the second book, yeah. she would not be sitting here talking to you today about indie publishing. She would be one of those who, who maybe sits off to the side and is like, oh, yeah, I did some indie publishing. It's, it's not a great way to make a living. You know, With a cigar it, hanging out of my mouth. Back right, it's like, a, like, like Harvey Fires. Yeah, you can't make any money in indie publishing. Let me tell you about the game. Right? And so, but she, she continued to write, right? And she wrote books that people love. And that was the, I mean, that's the biggest thing that you can do. Well, thanks, guys. Um, so other than that, what you just said about, you know, kind of not writing the second book, what are other things you see others doing that aren't producing results? Like, uh, I, I know one for me, and, and I did this too, and I see so many authors doing it. And I see some avoiding the trend, but I, unfortunately I see too many is. Um, you don't need an author website to get started in indie publishing. And what's worse is that I see authors spending, pouring tremendous amounts of time into perfect, because you're, you're an artist, right? And, and part of the, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever heard, uh, uh, I think it was, it was Ira Glass who did this whole, um, he had this whole monologue, which was great, and talking about art. And the, the problem with art is that as an artist, when you decide to create something, usually it is because you have a sense of art and you have a sense of taste and you're like, oh, I can create something beautiful here. I can create something. In the case of writing, oftentimes it's like, man, I just can't find any books like the ones that I want to read. Screw it. I'm going to write my own books and they're going to be the kinds of books that I want to read. And so you start writing those books, but initially when you do it, you the problem is, is that you have great tastes, but you don't have you're not great at writing yet. And so you write that first book and you, you have enough taste to know that what you've written is not that great. Um, you might really like it. And, and of course, you know, I would say just put that out into the world and go on and write the next book and, and keep going because there are people out there who are going to love it for exactly the same reasons why you wrote it. But the problem is, is that authors tend to get mired in the details. So they're like, oh, I'm going to build my author website. I can't tell you. I mean, I'm a techie guy and I spent days, days, working on my website, spending it weeks, researching where should I host it, <clears throat> what software should I use, how should I do it, all this stuff. <laughs> like, nobody goes to my website. Not even, right, not, I mean, not even when I was publishing my books did people really go to my website. And it wasn't really necessary. If I had just had a landing page for people to sign up to my newsletter, that would have been plenty enough and I could have moved on and I would have kept writing books. Yeah. 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 I, I yeah. agree. I think that's important. My son-in-law is... Um, well, my daughter works for an indie publisher, uh, a, a publisher, and does a lot of stuff. So they've sort of got, and plus with me, they've sort of gotten into the world a little bit. Yeah. But he's working on some stuff, and he was asking me some questions, and I was telling him about certain things, and I was like, well, I haven't done that yet because I just don't have time. <laughs> I, I haven't. It's a good idea, but I haven't done that yet, and I was right. thinking – gosh, there is a long list here. And finally my daughter said, Hey, like I can help you with those things. And I was like, good. 
I'll let you, but I don't have time to sit back. I mean, you just have to know your limitations. And my mm. limitations are I need, I, it takes a lot of concentration and effort for me to write. And then the other, the business part of it. And then there are these other side things that I could make money on. I just haven't done them yet because I can't devote that kind of energy to those things. And I, I think you're right. I think you, you just need to go with what works and then you can expand out a little bit at a time if you need to. But. Well, your writing should always take primacy, right? right. Writing yeah. the next book should always be your primary focus. And mm -hmm. the other things, you have to decide where you're going to split your time. Right. And honestly, if it came down to, I'm going to learn how to use Facebook ads or I'm going to build my author website, I can tell you which one I would point you at and, yeah. and where you should spend your time. <laughs> And I mean, that's not any different than, than anything, any other business in the world, right? You, you have a finite amount of time and you have to decide where you're going to spend it. And it does seem like you're getting, as an indie author, it, it definitely feels like you're getting pulled in a million different directions because there is so much to learn. And, you know, if you started, my first book was published, which now is God, it's forever ago. My first book was published in 2011. So nine years ago. And if you started nine years ago, learning all of this stuff, Mm -hmm. you would have learned it little, little trickles at a time because nine years ago we had none of the tools that we have now. And so as each new thing came out, you're like, Oh, I'm going to go learn that. Oh, I'm going to go learn that. If you're just getting into any publishing today, it's like, boom, yeah. here, here's all the stuff you need to learn. Right. Right. And, and you, what, it, it can be very overwhelming. And what people yeah. don't know about me is that I learned advertising as I went along. Part of that is because I am not risk averse. And so like I was willing to spend, a, I didn't have a lot, but what little I had, I was willing to spend it to see if I could figure it out. And so that, I think that benefited me because <clears throat> I only had the one book. I also didn't have a ton of money to blow. So as I went along, I just learned as I went. And, um, and I think that's more beneficial than sometimes, you know, in your spare time learning those things than just, stopping writing to learn these all these big things so yeah that's so me. we've talked about the mistakes that you have seen a little bit so are there any commonalities in writers who have been successful over the long haul that you've seen because you have um, a wide view of the industry sure uh i would say the biggest one is uh, they keep producing so mm -hmm. if you look at the writers you know i i talk sometimes about being in the industry being in the indie publishing gold rush back in 2010 mm -hmm. And most of those authors are no longer publishing, um, either because they just quit writing or because they, they couldn't keep up with as the market changed, which the market is going to change a lot and has changed a lot in the last decade, and it's going to keep changing. So as an indie author, you're going to have to kind of keep up with some of those trends. But like, like Jamie was saying, you can kind of keep those in the periphery of your vision. And the primary thing is they just, the, the writers that are still here, they're still producing. They're still writing books, <clears throat> and they're writing books that people love to read. Um, they have maybe even moved into other genres, but by and large, they figured out, because this is something that you only get from practice, from continuing to write, they figured out what people like to read, and they said, I'm going to keep writing those books, the ones that people like to read. So that's, to me, the author. I mean, like there were authors that I grew up reading that you read a series of theirs or you read a few of their books and then they never published again or I never heard from them again. And then there are authors that I have read since I was a teenager and they're still putting out new books every single year. Now they're trad books, so they're only putting out one or two books a year, but 
still like I, I have authors that I have read now for over 30 years and they're still tap, tap, tapping away on that keyboard. They're still putting out books. And that's the, the biggest thing that you can do if you want to stay, if you want to keep publishing, what is it? The, the, the quote that I've seen is like you, you're only, you only cease being a writer when you stop writing. It's, it's not about uh, you, you, you do, as long as you keep writing, you're not failing. You're, you're a writer and you keep writing. Yeah. And, and I've said that a hundred times. You, you only fail if you quit. That's it. Because it takes me so long to get a book done that, and it feels like a failure, but then I finish a book and I'm like, no, I'm not. A, you know, I mean, you I only imagine, fail if you quit. I mean, that's just the bottom line. So. And I would imagine that is difficult. If you are a yeah. slow writer, yeah, you're hard. watching, you know, the other one is stop comparing yourself to everybody else. Yeah. Uh, if you, if you want to, <laughs> Because it, even the successful people, even the failures, because, you, you know, we do, <clears throat> human beings do this thing where we, we, when something bad happens, we look at what something bad happened and we go, we look for the reason why that wouldn't have happened to us. Somebody was in a car accident. Oh, because, uh, you know, somebody ran a red light. Oh, I always wait three seconds before I go through a light just in case. Like we, we come up with these reasons why that bad thing that happened to you, that wouldn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but we also tend to compare ourselves to the successful people and say, well, I could never be that successful. Stop doing that. Just, just keep writing the books. The only people you need to care about are your readers, the people that are reading your books. And as long as you're making those people happy um, and you keep writing, yeah, you're not, you're not failing, no. but yeah. it's easy to look yeah. around at the people who are putting yeah. out a book a week and you're like, Oh, I'll never do that. <laughs> I'm just a huge failure. No, not if your readers love your books and they're still buying them. It's kind of like investing, you know, like if you invest a little bit over time, eventually you'll get to the end and you will have a big amount of money. If you invest a little bit really quickly and then stop after like a year, the person who's in it for the long haul will do much better, even though it doesn't seem as significant. It's really, it's a mindset thing. And like, we have to put our blinders on and not worry about all this other stuff. It's very hard. Yeah. I don't know. Damon, you remember, but at Mink last year, I said to you, like, I'm doing great. If I could just be okay with the way I'm doing things, I would be perfectly happy. But I tend to do that comparison, but I have worked on it a lot. And I I can say almost a year later that I am better. So that's, that's good. But it is working on the mindset and and giving yourself that mindset that no, I'm, I'm doing what I love. I'm doing what I want to do. And only you get to measure your level of success. Right. If you decide, hey, I'm doing pretty well at this. This is going pretty great. Uh, stop looking around at everybody else and making yourself feel bad for it. Yeah. And I say that as a person who is very prone to do the same <laughs> stupid thing. Well, like that's I, why you know, we all have trouble with it because we all right. do that. We and all, we all compare up. We, you know, we always look at the person who's writing an extra book or two than we are. And we always think, oh, why can't I be like that? It's not a... Yeah it's not a smart thing to do anyway. We should no, just not compare not. ourselves. No. You work with a wide range of authors and genres. Do you see any trends? Like what's hot right now? Uh, it's hard to say because the world's gone a bit crazy with the oh, pandemic. So yeah. <laughs> the trends that if you had looked at your, into your crystal ball a year ago and said, Oh, the trend is going to be this. You'd have been wrong. So wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, <clears throat> I would say, um, the biggest trends from the reader side that we see. So, um, it's hard, you know, book funnel doesn't measure genres and things like that. We, we just kind of let in authors do their own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I don't have a lot of data on that, but I will say that, that we see, we, we answer hundreds of emails a day directly from readers and we talk to readers a lot because they talk to us, they email us a lot and we end up uh, chatting with them sometimes. 
And I will say that the, in readers, the trend that I have seen going in our support is more first-time ebook readers than we've probably ever seen before. Really? And why that is, I'm sure you could say, well, a lot of the bookstores are closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the, I mean, I was just reading, I've read several articles of the doom and gloom of, of the trad pub industry. They can't get books printed. Like the printers are so jammed up trying to print the backlog of books that they're not even hardly able to print the new releases. And so mm-hmm. you go and you order and you're like, oh, sweet, I'm going to order that new book. And you're already three months out before you're ever going to see a copy of it. Yeah. And so I wonder, I, I, I have wondered at that because you, you see these trends. And you're like, wow, man, that's a lot of, because they'll tell us, like, I've never read an ebook before. I don't know how to do any of this stuff. Oh, and we see messages like that all the time. We used to get probably, I don't know, one, one or two of those a week. And it feels like we're getting a lot more of those. Mm-hmm. And so I think that is a, a big part because people are stuck at home. Um, so a lot of people are reading now that, that haven't read in quite some time, you know, uh, that now they're stuck at home and I need some kind of escape. I've binged everything on Netflix that's yeah. worth binging. <laughs> and now I need some other form of entertainment. And so they're, they're picking up books and, they're finding that, yeah, the, the library's checked out of all the books that they wanted. The bookstores are not open, and I can't seem to get a print book mailed to save my life. I guess I'll try this ebook thing, and I'll just read it on my smartphone. Yeah. Um, from the author side, I've seen, I would say the, the, the biggest trend that we're seeing is more and more authors dipping their toes into selling direct, so actually selling their own stuff from their own websites or selling them from Shopify, which – it's technically on Shopify's website, but it's still way more direct than, than selling to anybody else because you're keeping all of the money. That's what right. I consider. When you're selling direct, you're keeping all of the money as opposed to giving a cut to a publisher or giving a cut to a seller or bookseller. Um, lots, we used to get, you know, a few requests, uh, you know, a week or a few requests a month for things like that. Now we're just seeing lots and lots of people trying that out for the first time. Two varying levels of success, right? It's, it's, it's one of those things it's a very indie thing to do. Like I'm going to sell my own books directly from my website. But uh, a lot of that is going to depend on how much effort you put into that and how much you're driving that because nobody's driving. And we're talking about websites. Nobody's driving traffic to your website, but you. That's right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So are you seeing them um, across that across all genres or just specific genres? Uh, I would say that the uh, it's, you know, it's hard to imagine a teenager today who hasn't probably read an ebook, you know, I, I mean, right. unless they're just not reading books at all, which is probably the vast majority of teenagers. Right. But um, all of my nieces, all my nephews, they all read ebooks. They all, you know, they're all reading on their phones because that's what they do all day long, right? They're always on their phones. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the most of the readers that we see that are, that are asking us and, and then their first time ebook readers tend to be older. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I mean, my mom for years fought me. I tried to buy, I said, mom, should read on Kindle. Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to mess with all that. I go to the library. I get my books from the library. But then she would always complain because she got to the point where her eyes were too weak to be able to read. So she would buy, she would go to the library and she'd check out the large print books. Mm-hmm. Well, the library only orders like one large print copy of major bestsellers. And all the other old ladies were already <laughs> checking out the large print book. So she's complaining that she goes to the library, but all of the large print books are checked out. I'm like, mom, you can just, on a Kindle, you can just change the font size. You can just make it bigger. I don't want to mess with all that. So I finally bought her one. I bought her one for Mother's Day six, seven years ago. I mean, it's been a while now. And I showed her how to use it because I have to show her how to use it and she's going to use it. Otherwise, it would just gather dust. 
But then once she started using it, she was like, oh, wow, this is amazing. Now when she reads, she'll actually, you know, change the brightness and the font, the, the font size as the night wears on and her eyes get more tired. She'll just bump the font size up another point or two because her eyes are getting tired. Right. Like, you can't do that in a print book. No, and so, I, I, you know, a lot of the older readers that we see are the first time ebook readers. So I would say, and, and older readers tend to be in mysteries and thrillers and romance by, by a wide, wide margin. We have, you know, you occasionally get older readers in sci-fi fantasy, but by a wide, wide margin, they're reading the mysteries, the thrillers and, and romance books. And the people's trying to sell direct, is that genre specific or is that kind of across all genres? Um, I guess I'd see more of it in romance. Um, if only because I always tell people that the romance authors are always the ones out in front leading the charge, right? They're yes. the ones. Yeah, they are. Well, they're the ones. And I, and I don't know if that just comes from a spirit of um, romance publishing being uh, always sort of considered on the outside. You know, there's we got like, a little oh, bit of a chip on our shoulder. Yeah, right. So there's the five. Oh, there's the big five. And then Harlequin's over there doing yeah. their, their Manchester books or whatever, yeah. right? Yeah. Except that, and then the way to the bank. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that probably that probably gives a lot of romance authors a little bit of that chip. Like, screw you, I'll just do it myself. Right. And so I see more and more of the romance authors that are that are most of the the bigger stores. I will say the ones that are selling more are definitely in in the uh, the romance genres because they those authors have built up a loyal readership, mm-hmm. and those loyal readers are willing to buy direct from them. You know, most of them are not. It's not that they're not also publishing on all the other bookstores. Of course they are. You'd be silly to, to right. not reach whatever markets you can possibly reach. But now that they're selling direct, they're starting to get more and more sales because they're doing something different. You know, I, I, I tell people that are, that are starting to set up direct sales or they're trying it out. Don't, don't just make your website one more place to buy the same book for the same price. Because, look, if, I'll be honest. If I can go buy it on Kobo for $4.99 or I can buy it from you for $4.99, it's a whole lot easier for me to just go punch a button and boom, it's on my Kobo. So that's how I'm going to do that. But, and and not all readers are like that. A lot of readers, they love their authors so much that they're absolutely with just a little bit of a push, like, Hey, here's, you can go buy it from your favorite bookstore. But if you buy it from me, I get a little, I get a little bit more money and readers respond to that. They really do. But the ones that are really doing well are the ones that are selling things that you can't get anywhere else. They took three books and boxed them up and they don't box them up anywhere else. And so, you know, they're five bucks a book over on Amazon, but they box them up for 10. So now it's like buy two, get one free. You can't, they, they don't box them up. They don't want to sell them on Amazon in that box set. They want to make that money directly. And they want to more than that. Cause I mean like, you know, the, on a $10 sale direct, you're going to take home $9 and 30 cents. I mean, you're going to take home the vast majority of the, of the money on that sale. Right. But more than that, you're going to create a direct relationship with your reader. Mm-hmm. And you actually know who those readers are because you have the data. I know who purchased my book. And so you can take that data. And if you send that out to your newsletter and say, Hey guys, I boxed up these three books that I don't sell in a box set anywhere else. So if you haven't read the whole series, now's your chance to get it. On a, at a really steep discount. Mm-hmm. Not only are you going to get people to buy it because everybody loves discounts. Go ask BookBub. Everybody loves a discount. Not only are you going to get um, readers who love you because you've offered them a discount as a way to buy your series, but you're going to have a you're going to know who those people are, and you can take that data, 
run it back into your newsletter and create a separate list of these people buy books. This group of people right here, for sure, I know they buy books because they actually bought one from me. Right. Yeah. Right. That's yeah, awesome. I've dabbled in that a little bit, the direct sales. I've used BookFunnel. And what I did was I boxed up. Uh, I had a series with six books at the time. So I did all six books and I did it at Black Friday, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, said, you know, just to my list, if you want these all together. And I was surprised because people, I thought, you know, most of these people, they've probably read my books or they've read most of them. But there's something about the convenience of having them all together that they were excited about. They wanted to be able to binge read all at the same time. And so that's part of one of my plans for the rest of this year into 2021 is to do more box set stuff that's just exclusive to my newsletter for the things that aren't available online at the stores. They can get it through me. And yeah. so I think that's a really, really smart plan. Yeah. Well, and also you're giving, I mean, you know, it's, you're giving value to right. your readers, which is the big, that is, I think that's one of the biggest tenets that, you know, as far as best practices go, that that kind of gets lost sometimes because we get a little bit precious about our books and we don't want to sell three books for $10, but you're not looking at the big picture. You're, right. you know, and so, yeah. Build a long-term relationship. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And it's better to sell a box set than to not sell a single book to, yes. to well, a person, I, right? They might not buy one, but they go, oh, that's a deal. So I will buy it, you know? Well, and to, to Sarah's point, uh, the, uh, a lot of you, you get lost. Uh, I think indie authors also tend to get lost in the new books, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, because that's the exciting one, right? It's yeah. the, the, the great book. The best book is the one that I have, the, the next one that I'm supposed to be writing. Um, so the one that you're currently writing is terrible and no one's ever going to buy it. And the next one's going to be the greatest one, right? But um, there are so many readers, especially if you're, if you are out there working on building your, your mailing list, your newsletter, and you're, you're getting attention from readers and you're talking to those readers. Um, so many of those readers, especially if you've been doing this for a while, they didn't read your other books. They found you through this book or through this series, but they never read that earlier series that you wrote or they didn't read all of it. And so you, you don't know when you're pitching that box set, like Sarah was saying that you, you don't really know how many people on your list are like, wow, I had read the first book, but I got distracted. I mean, mm-hmm. that happens all the time. I, I have books on my device that I still come back and go, all right, I was reading that series. That was yeah. good. I'm going to pick that back up again. Mm-hmm. And suddenly that box set sitting right in front of their face and their email goes, Oh man, that's a sweet deal. I, I really did enjoy the first book. I'm going to go buy the whole series now. Mm-hmm. So you don't know that you're, that you don't, I would go ahead and assume that everybody on your newsletter has not read everything you've ever written. And oh. go with that assumption every time you send out an email. I sell books every time I send out a newsletter and I send out a newsletter now every week. Oh, that's and, awesome. And I sell books, my books mm-hmm. every week. And so it's like, there are, and I've been doing this for three years and I sell books every week because they're just people, like you said, that haven't read all your books. They read and was, one and there's so many authors and so many books and it's not that they didn't like it. They just had another book on their to be read that needed to go next. And, you know, so. And I would say that's probably the biggest mistake that I see authors doing is that, that everybody's getting the advice now and it's good advice that you should be building a newsletter if for no other reason than you have a direct connection to your reader. You, it's, it's you emailing your reader and talking to them directly in, in whatever you want to say. And you should be yourself. I imagine Jamie's emails are awesome. Just being, be who you are and, and 
constantly just a regular reminder to readers that you're here and that because they do they they have tons of books on their to be read pile any any reader has you know stacks of books that they read right and they you want to make your book get to the top of that stack and i would say the biggest mistake that i see authors doing is they're all working to build their newsletter because everybody told them that they should but then they're not doing anything with it they're not emailing those readers they're not talking to them they're not engaging with them in any way and that is a huge missed opportunity mm -hmm. and in some ways you're never going to get that back if you're emailing them once every six months they're going to go who is this mm -hmm. unsubscribe mm -hmm. right you you need to be emailing them regularly if you're going to work on building that list yeah yeah i agree well um so we talked about this a little bit but are there any other um changes that you see in uh, the market or indie publishing specifically like since since you've been doing this book funnel thing um Let's see, since I started, I was going to say, since the beginning of this year, there's some crazy <laughs> well, stuff going yeah, on let's everywhere. Go big picture. Yeah. Let's go big picture. Um, but I would say that um, more, you know, when uh, when I first started publishing in 2011, and even when I started Book Funnel, which was five years ago, right? It's just, we talk about how fast this industry changes. Yeah. Uh, and, what, and, and truly what makes it difficult to be an indie author sometimes is that that thing that was so amazing last week, it just doesn't work anymore. And it, sometimes it feels like it's changing from week to week. Um, five years ago, nobody really was talking about audiobooks. Um, the traditional publishers were doing it, had been doing it for decades, you know, back when you could buy audiobooks on tape. Uh-huh, I've listened to those, yeah. <laughs> audiobooks on tape, and they would give you like 30 tapes, you yep. know. Patricia Cornwell with a little plastic uh, bag. Yeah, exactly. Patterson. Yeah, and then CDs came along and all of that. I mean, like that. So audiobooks have been around for a really long time, but I think that the not just the internet, but smartphones and everything really had to mature to the point where anybody can listen to an audiobook now. Everybody's got a smartphone in their hand, pick it up, punch a button, and boom, you're listening to an audiobook. And um, in the last five years, when we started Book Funnel five years ago, people were asking us about audiobooks, but it was really. I think once every few months, somebody would go, hey, can you do an MP3 or an audiobook? And like, ah, no, we don't do that. Um, now, here, five years later, audio is, is crazy. And it's, uh, audio is now where ebooks were back in 2010, right? They're, they're just, because so many indies haven't gotten into the game yet. And admittedly, it's a lot more expensive to get into the audiobook game than it is to get into to publish an ebook. You know, back when I started, a $45 copy of Scrivener was all you really had to have. You, you could, I mean, you could even write it in Word, God help you, but you could, and you could, um, you could make your own book cover, like you could do everything yourself. You could really publish an ebook for zero dollars if you really wanted to. And uh, while you could narrate your own audiobook, I would generally recommend against it. And so, you know, you're gonna have to go pay an, a narrator. You're gonna, it's gonna cost a little bit more money to get into audio, but I, I've seen that growing and more, more readers are doing audio. We see, you know, I don't have any data on this because we haven't launched audiobooks yet, but in our support, we get readers all the time who are saying, how can I listen to this in audio? Because they, they got a free short story. Oftentimes, they got a short story, they got an extended epilogue, they got a, pre, a prequel novella or something like that, and they want to listen to it because they consume in audio. They are audio-first readers, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I see more and more of that uh, I think in part because, well, a lot of us are stuck at home and, you know, now again with the world being what it is, 
Um, and I think more readers are discovering that audio is a new way to consume media that they want to consume. I know friends of mine right now, not a lot. I know audiobook sales are down for some people because there aren't as many people commuting right now. People aren't going to work every day. Yeah. But some of my best friends that would they would commute every day an hour each way, and suddenly they were like, hey, "I have a two hours a day to enjoy books again." But reading an ebook on the highway seems perilous, so <laughs> not they, recommended. Yeah, right. So they, but they, they, they had taken. You know, we all as we were aging up and as we had young kids, it was like, "Oh, I don't have time for reading anymore." You know, I would read in bed. And, by the time I got to bed, I was so tired, I would just fall asleep. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of readers are discovering that, that rediscovering that love of reading through audio. And for a lot of readers, once they discover audio and they, I can't do it. I've tried a few audio books and it's just not for me. I, I really like reading eBooks. Mm -hmm. Now I went from eBook to paper and never looked back. I immediately was just like, Oh, this was way better. This is how I'm going to read all my books from now on. Um, but my wife is a big audio listener. And if, She's an audio first reader. If it's an audio, she'll absolutely consume it in audio. And if it's not an audio, but it's a series that she's reading and they have it with the audio book out, she'll read the ebook, but she wants audio first. Mm -hmm. And so I think more and more readers are, are coming to that as evidenced by the fact that publishing, indie publishing in particular, is starting to pay much bigger attention to the audio market. And that's what happened with ebooks 10 years ago. Nobody was paying attention until KDP came along and said, hey, you guys can just start putting your books up if you want. We need some content in here. Because traditional publishers were, were screwing everybody. They were like, oh, they had the Kindle, but you could still, you still were paying 25 bucks for an ebook, you know, because they, that's what they wanted to charge you. Mm -hmm. And so Amazon's, you know, end run around them was, um, here, anybody can publish books. Y'all guys, come on in and give us some books. And once they started, Indy started coming in with their, you know, Amanda Hawking and 99 cent books and things like that. I mean, the first indie book that I ever read, I discovered because it was, I think, $2.99, and I had gotten a Kindle for Christmas. And I was like, I, I was just shopping through the store, and it had a really good cover. I read epic fantasy, so wizards and dragons and that sort of stuff, and it had a really great cover. It had swords on it. It looked cool, and it was $2.99. I was like, three bucks? <laughs> yeah! Because at that point, I was paying $15 and $20 for an ebook. I didn't know it was indie published. I didn't know indie publishing was a thing, right? I just saw a really good looking book. The description sounded great. It was three bucks. Man, I've been paying 20 bucks. Three bucks is a no brainer. I'll pay that any day of the week. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I got to the end and I read the author's note, I was like, wait a minute. He just like put this book out there by himself? How do you do that? And then suddenly yeah. I started looking into it. Like, Man, I, I could probably do that. I could do that. <laughs> it's so That's true. Awesome. Well, yeah, in audio, I I consume audio. I'm an audio first, pretty much. Pretty much. Yeah. Not always. But if I read a book I really love, like actually read it, I will go within and listen to it because it's a different experience. Yeah, it's absolutely. A different way to consume mm -hmm. the book. And um, yeah, so when I when my books when I was offered a chance to put my books in audio, I jumped at it because I was like, this is, this is how I like to consume books. So sure. yeah. 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 Audio has made a huge difference for me because yes. it's given me, like I had my, my fans, my ebook and print fans. And now I have a whole new format fan, fans of a different format that they wouldn't have found me. Like you were saying that they're audio first and a lot of them are audio only. They really only want yeah. the audio book. Yeah. So if I was not in audio, 
they wouldn't read me so or listen to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We have a hard time with that too. It's like readers, listeners. I'm not. I know, it's let's hard. just go with reader. Let's just go with readers, and <laughs> we'll, we'll just you know, it's consuming in a different format. But you're right, and and it's a the thing I tell any authors is that because if you if you're just if you only have a few books, if you're just starting out, don't pay attention to audio. You're not ready for that yet. Even right. though you you will have some readers who contact you and say, well, if you were in audio, I would read you. You you need to get more books done first. Mm-hmm. But once you get enough books out there and you get into that, get onto that train, you really should start looking at it. Because the beauty is, for me at least, it, writing the damn book was the hard part. Writing the book, pulling it out of me, pouring it onto the keyboard and getting the book and, and finishing it. it. It took years for me to write my trilogy and actually get it done. Um, and, you know, a lot of authors write faster than that, but that's what it did for me. You, in order to put out an audio book, you need to find a narrator and find a good one and, and do all that. But to me, the hard part is done. The, the actual writing of the book was the hard part. Now all you're really doing is taking that thing you wrote and repackaging it in a new medium. Right. And that to me is a beautiful way to make money. Hey, I have this thing, you know, this IP that I've built and I'm going to sell it as uh, short stories. I'm going to sell it as paperbacks. I'm going to sell it as, you know, eBooks. I'm going to sell it as audio. And you just keep repackaging and repackaging the same thing. And you will absolutely reach completely different audiences. Like Sarah was saying, you have those audience. Now you have readers who are like, when you're an audio, let me know. I'll be, I, I would love to get your books. They sound great. Uh, when you're an audio, I'll be sure to take them. And how is book funnel helping to facilitate that for authors? So we, um, last year we actually launched audio support on a very small level and it was sort of a, a beta test to see how it would go. But we had had a lot of authors reach out that were, first of all, we had been, BookFunnel had been open for a couple of weeks when we got our first request to, can BookFunnel do audiobooks? And <laughs> we hadn't even perfected ebooks yet. So You're it, like, what it took you talking us, about, Willis? Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> so it took years and years, but it's, it's always been on our list, on our long-term roadmap. It's like, yeah, sure, like audiobooks would be fantastic. We'd love to do that. Um, but a lot of it was waiting for the market to mature and more, because my market is indie authors. So I need to... I need to see that there's enough indie authors out there producing audiobooks that that's worth our effort to build the tools that make it possible. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really been about two years ago. So we, we really started looking at audio two years ago and like, okay, we, we really need to do this. They're trending in a way that indie authors are starting to get more and more into the audio game. So last year we released the ability for in, for authors to put out short form audio. So up to two hours of audio, which is about, Audio comes out about 9,000 words per finished hour. And so an 18,000 word novella or short stories and things like that. And, and all of that came about because our authors were contacting us and saying, hey, we really we really want to do this. We had a group of romance authors who had gotten together and they, they, hired the narr- they hired a narrator and they were putting out episodes of a romantic serial. And there is no way to do serialized audio that none of the stores really have a way to do that. Nobody's going to drop $14.95 for an audio, uh, an audible credit on a, on a one hour episode. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we said, and, and they were, they're all handing out Dropbox links to MP3s. And we were like, Oh, that sounds like people emailing EPUBs back in the yeah. day. So that was yeah. one. But I mean, it, within a couple of weeks, we've got, we had over half a dozen requests from different authors and different groups, children's authors, who would narrate themselves reading their book. And that was their reader magnet to get on their newsletter. Here, the book as read by the author in their own voice. 
So it's not like a, a really like polished audio production. It's meant to be more like a bedtime story, mm-hmm. but they, and they were handing out Dropbox links. And so we, we kept looking at this and again, looking at the trends and saying, oh, this is a problem we can solve, right? We can't do full-blown audiobooks yet because that's a much bigger beast to tackle. But I think we can do this smaller piece and start learning what it is going to take to do audio. So we did that last year and we have thousands of pieces of audio content now, authors that do samples of their audiobooks. Because when you, just like with everything, anything else, book funnel, you have control over what you're doing. So if you can take and I can make a, a, a two-hour sample, you can't, Audible gives you like five minutes. Yeah. You know, you go sample your audio book and you can't even get through the credits before <laughs> they get the samples over. So but you can put out your own sample and start letting people have it. And then, of course, you know, you can finish the rest of it over here and buy the audio books from your favorite audio store, right? So we started that two years ago. I'm sorry, I started that last year and then, this year, we've really been working on building out all the tools to, to deliver full audiobooks. And that's, that's coming very, very soon. It's actually uh, all of the pieces are in place, and we're mm-hmm. starting beta testing with authors this week. So That's so exciting. Um, that is yeah. exciting news. That's great. Really neat. Yeah. It's, it's, been a big, it's, it's been a big push. It was almost like building a second book funnel. Yeah. A lot of the infrastructure that we had built for ebooks does not translate over to audiobooks. An ebook is, you know, 900 kilobytes, 1.2 megabytes. Audiobooks can be 600 megabytes, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just the, 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 what was required to build all that stuff out was almost like building an entirely second company. But here we are, and we've got it ready to go. And so we're, we're starting on beta testing, yeah, this week or the next. That's cool. so cool. Yeah. So can you talk to us real quick about the promos on BookFunnel 2, mm-hmm. like just so our listeners know that they, what's available there? Sure. So promotions are, so I, I, I like to preface by saying BookFunnel is not a promotion platform. We are not there to drive readers to your book. And in fact, we, we very purposely built our software that, that, so that it doesn't work that way. We don't, when, uh, when Jamie sends out uh, the you know, extended epilogue to her book, we don't send them the epilogue and then say, oh, by the way, here's three more romance books you might like by other authors. Yeah. Our, our goal is our authors always come first. And so to me, if the author wanted to advertise someone else's book, they would put it on their page and they could do it themselves. That's not our job. So we don't promote your books to readers, but we do have a promotions board because we have tens of thousands of authors on BookFunnel and a lot of them were emailing us and saying, hey, can you tell me, can you give me the email addresses of some other cozy mystery authors on BookFunnel that we might be able to share with? Well, of course, I I can't do that. I'm not going to give you my authors, but we built a promotions board as a way for authors to meet and find each other. So you go on book funnel. Once you're signed up, you can go into the promotions board. You can narrow it down by genre and say, Oh, I'm, I mean, like me, I'm a sci-fi fantasy author. They, they tend, I write only in fantasy, but sci-fi fantasy always gets lumped together. Mm-hmm. So I'm a sci-fi fantasy author. So I can go in and as soon as I sign up for book funnel, I can say, here's what I write. Here are my genres. And BookFunnel will send me a happy little email every day that says, hey, here are the new genres, that here are the new promotions that were posted in sci-fi fantasy today. And with a quick scroll through the email, I can go, oh, that one looks really good. And I can go join up with other sci-fi fantasy authors that are all doing the same thing. We're all trying to work to build up our newsletter. And you have a newsletter, and I have a newsletter, and Sarah has a newsletter. And if we all email, if we all just email once our own newsletters, 
then we can expose our readers to these other authors. And they're already predisposed to like the authors that I'm exposing them to because we're all in the same genre. We're all right. writing. And some of the promos get really specific. They're like fantasy with great villains, right? You know, or, <laughs> or superhero fantasy, right? All, all of these things that you can narrow down. And if my book is in there, chances are good that all of my readers, they love that kind of book. That's what they want to read. So all I'm really saying is, hey, here's 20 other authors' books that are all right up your alley. Mm -hmm. And what's even better is anybody who clicks through my newsletter and clicks through to that promo and downloads your book is not only a reader of your genre, they're a reader who gets on authors' newsletters and doesn't unsubscribe, and they're a reader who opens those authors' newsletters and clicks on links in them. That's mm -hmm. like the best kind of lead you could possibly want. Right. And it is just a lead. So once they sign up for your newsletter, it's your job now to convince them that they need to move your book to the top of the to be read pile. And that's where your welcome email and your, your welcoming sequence and, and all of that stuff comes in. And that's where all that horrible marketing stuff comes in that the <laughs> authors all hate to do. But that's the, that's the part that you, that you need to work on. And once they get on your list and you start, you know, you don't want to market to them like, buy my book, buy my book, buy my book. They get on your list and you say, hey, here's why I write what I write. Here's the kinds of books that I love. I mean, I could tell you exactly why I wrote my books. And it was because um, at the time in fantasy, now it's gotten a little bit better, but not great. In fantasy, we had spent decades, um, the traditional publishers had spent decades publishing what we call grimdark fantasy, which mm -hmm. is basically anti-heroes and bad guys and, and Game of Thrones. If you've seen mm -hmm. HBO's Game of Thrones, so that was the, the sort of grandfather of grimdark uh, was George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire. And I can't, I can't do that stuff. I, I don't need my hero to be a goody two-shoes, but I, I want to know that the hero is ultimately going to win out, that good is going to triumph over evil, right? That's the kinds of books. That's why I read fantasy. It's what I love. And uh, when I put my books out there, I was writing them because I couldn't find anything that did that. All the fantasy at the time was all grimdark. I'm like, I don't want to read that stuff. I just want to read stories about heroes and things like that. So I put that out there, and that becomes – the brand, the author brand that you're telling readers. So if I were, if I were still selling books, that would be my welcome email. Hey, this is the kind of fantasy that I write. So let me be really clear. If you're looking for heroes and you're looking for, you know, bad guys that lose and that's what, here's what you're going to get when you read my books. And that's the calling card that you're putting out there every time you publish a book, whether you know it or not. Yeah. 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 So basically you are writing the uh, cozy mystery of the fantasy world. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the lighter, happier version. Yeah. Well, what's funny I is totally love that. They, they, after Grimdark, people started reversing back. I mean, it's like a trend, right? It's yeah, a pendulum. Yeah. It swings back in the other direction. Yeah. But then people started calling it noble bright because that's, <laughs> I guess the opposite of Grimdark. But what's funny is that used to be just fantasy. That was yeah, fantasy, exactly. Right? That was just normal. <laughs> so funny, the definitions and the way things change. So right. speaking of trends and things changing, what do you see coming up in the future, like maybe a couple of years out? Um, well, not to harp on it, but audiobooks is probably yeah. the biggest trend that, that we see. I mean, so ebook, the ebook market has sort of matured um, mm -hmm. a, a lot more. I, I wouldn't say that we're at the, like, the top of the curve, 
as far as like adoption, because like I said, I, we still get from readers every week who've never read an ebook before. Yeah. So we're still getting, we're still getting into that market a lot more, but the tools have matured. You know, there isn't anything in eBooks that, that indie authors, there's nothing that a traditional publisher can produce that indie authors can't also produce on their own. We have all the same tools they do. We have access to the editors, the cover designers, the, uh, the software, we can do everything that they can do. Right. right, and that's not necessarily the case in audiobooks yet. The tools market hasn't really matured to the point where you can do all of these amazing things with your audiobooks. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, I, I don't want to, I I don't want to give the impression that that if you're just starting out out there, you should be like pushing all in on audio. No. Don't do that. Uh, push all in on writing more books. Mm-hmm. Um, focus your effort and your time on writing, becoming a better writer and putting more books out into the market. But once you find a toehold and you have found some success and you're making some money, take that money and reinvest and start looking at maybe putting out audiobooks because you're taking the money that you invest now, you'll own that audiobook for the rest of your life. And now you can reach out to a completely different market than the same people that you're marketing your eBooks to. We now have authors that are using that, that, the, the short form audio feature that I was telling you about earlier on BookFunnel. They give away a novella audiobook as their reader magnet, but they're taking those readers and putting them onto an entirely separate mailing list under their mailing list structure. Those are audio listeners. Mm-hmm. Like if I give you the choice when you sign up and you can have, here's my eBook novella and here's my audiobook novella, and you download the audio, you're an audio first reader. Right. So I'm going to put you on a separate list because I know that that's who I'm going to advertise my audio to when I have the new audio book out. Whereas when I have the new ebook out, especially if you're not able to produce them in tandem, and sometimes that can be really difficult, even if you get it done, I mean, because we're indies, right? As soon as the ebook is done, I want to publish it. I want to publish it now. But you've got, by the time you're done writing it, you've got months before the audiobook is probably going to be polished and done and ready to go. So if you could hold your release and release it simultaneously, that would be great. Mm-hmm. Most authors can't. It's really difficult, and it takes a lot of time and money to do that. So if you can't, the, the thing that you want to be able to do is I'm going to email my ebook list with the new release, but I'm not going to tell those audiobook listeners about it because sometimes they get mad they yeah, feel like they're yeah. getting left behind. Yeah. They feel like you all you care about is your ebook market and you, your audiobooks are always months late. They don't care that that's just how the that's just how the industry works, right? Yeah, right? So you save that list and you say 2 months from now, "Hey, my new book is out in audio and now you're getting that attention in another way." Right. right. Yeah, and that's Very such good. a like I'm so looking forward to um book funnel doing audiobooks because it's such an opportunity because as indies we don't have we have to send everything off and it has to be approved by ACX and the different stores and so it's very hard to control the release dates and to make sure you think if you're trying to do a simultaneous release which I tried it's very very difficult but if you have your audio ready and it's not it's caught up in some you know queue somewhere at ACX you could tell your people you could say hey I don't know when it'll be available on, in, on Audible or these other stores, but you yeah. can get it from me right now if you want it. And some people won't do it. Some people will wait because they want to use you know, their credits and what they paid for. But other people will just want the book. And so it's a huge opportunity to get people to start buying from you and kind of experience that. I think it's sure. super exciting. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Well, and it's, it's like you said, all your whole goal should always be making readers happy. So if you already, and I, and I get it, if you already, most indie authors, I would tell you, if I have the audiobook ready to go right now, I'm ready to go right now. Like if it's done, I'm ready to go. And yeah, it's, it, it does. It has to go through QA. All the different audio purveyors will make you wait in a queue to, to go through and QA the audiobook and do all that stuff. Um, BookFunnel's not in the QA business. I assume that you're indies and you know your stuff, right? We appreciate I, it's, that. It's yeah. true. I, it's, yeah. I, we treat our authors like adults. I assume yeah. you know your stuff, and we're terribly, terribly impatient people. So anything you put up on BookFunnel, it, it's up immediately. When you upload an ebook, if you change it, because authors will ask us sometimes, like, oh, I have uh, an art going out, and now I found a bunch of typos, and I want to put up a new version. How long before it's ready? It's ready now. Immediately, like, yeah. I've had that on, happen, yeah. Everything on BookFunnel is instantaneous because we hate waiting. Yeah, yeah we love, love it. it. Yep, that's true. Well, thank you for being here, Damon. This has been so great, and I know our listeners have gotten a lot out of it. Tell us how we can find out more about BookFunnel. BookFunnel.com. We try not that's to not- make it complicated. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we have, we have all our stuff there. And if you have any questions at all, you can email support at BookFunnel.com. Uh, there's a contact form on our website. Um, we get questions from indie authors all the time, even stuff that has nothing to do with book funnel. Our people are experts in all things book funnel, and they're pretty darn good at, at indie publishing and, and questions in general, too. That's so um, be, feel free to email us, and, and if you have any questions, we're always there. All right, been great. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. And so we'll have all the show notes and the link to book funnel and the other things we talked about. It'll be at wishidknownforwriters.com. Yeah. Bye. Thank you guys for having me. Thanks Bye. for being here. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.